Hey everyone, this is Stephanie Chadwick. Hold on to your dookie, because it's about to get spooky. You're listening to A Paranormal Chicks. And we are at Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 45. And you just heard Stephanie C. Who was the shit. <laughs> yes, she was. Now we gotta follow that up. Right. But I think I can. Oh, shit. Let's get to it. Okay. This one is titled, It Was Supposed to Be a Murder-Suicide. Okay, I think you followed it up. Yeah, we're starting it off really heavy, okay? So, trigger warning, domestic violence. This is a heartbreaking story of my friend Hannah, who was 19 years old when she lost her life due to domestic violence. Hannah and Josh had been dating on and off for about two years and were expecting their first child together. She was seven months pregnant with a little girl on January 18, 2012. They split up for a bit because he hit her. She went to stay with her dad to get away from Josh. Hannah decided to come back and continue the relationship. Her first night back, she stayed with Josh at his house in Catahoula. Her mom was mad when they got back together. She told her he was no good for her, but they compromised by letting Josh stay at her mom's house instead of Hannah living with him. Her mom told her, if you claim to love him, he can come stay at the house, but you're not going over to his house because if something breaks out, then she would be there and hopefully she can stop it. So they moved in with Hannah's mom on her grandfather's property and it went pretty well. They were doing family things, watching movies. I mean, the family was coming together like it should. There wasn't any fussing. There wasn't any fighting. Even the day it happened, they seemed fine. They were cleaning out a camper on the property. Her grandfather told them he was going to lay down and he would talk to them after a while. He never talked to them again after that. Her grandfather said, if there had been anything wrong, I would have known it. But they were getting along good. Her grandfather was sleeping when the sirens woke him about an hour later. He didn't hear the gunshot that went off around 4 p.m. Her mom, unfortunately, watched the final grisly moments right in front of her. Oh, oh my gosh. She drove up to the trailer when she saw Hannah outside screaming for the man who lived in the camper, about 75 yards away. Her mom said Josh had lost it. He was playing with the gun, trying to kill himself. The next thing I knew, Josh come right in the doorway and pointed the gun straight at her and shot her. Her mom hadn't even unbuckled her seatbelt. Hannah turned and looked at her mom, and when she turned back, Josh was in the doorway with the gun. She was looking straight at him when he did it. Her mom said she didn't know who owned the shotgun and never knew it was in the trailer. He shot Hannah in the face and killed her immediately. Her mom was getting out of the truck. He grabbed her saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She told him, she told him, sorry, my ass. Man, what have you done? Descending into tears. She was dead by the time her mom got out of the truck. Josh tried to reload the gun to kill himself, but the gun jammed. Her mom said she called out, please don't do it. No, Josh, don't do it. Don't do it. There's another way out. Don't do it. Josh put the gun down and sat on the steps and said how sorry he was. There was domestic violence in that relationship. 
Though her mom had never witnessed it, Hannah told her that Josh beat her. It got bad enough to where her mom wanted to go to the police, but Hannah begged her not to. Her grandfather just hoped justice would be served, and her mom said, If any way possible, I feel they should seek the death penalty, but that's not good enough, because what he's taken from my family, death ain't nothing. Josh was charged with second-degree murder and first-degree feticide. The charges carry a maximum sentence of 15 years in prison for the feticide charge and automatic life in prison without parole for second-degree murder, according to state law. Hannah also left behind a two-year-old daughter from a previous relationship. At her funeral, Hannah and baby J.C. looked like angels. He went to trial and was given 40 years hard labor, 30 years for killing Hannah and 10 years for the death of their unborn baby. Sorry, I know it's a long story, but I thought it was important y'all get the details. Creep it real, ladies. Emily. Holy crap. That is heartbreaking. So so fucking sad it's like we all know that domestic violence can escalate to that type of situation but you also like never think that it will to you or to your friends yeah and especially god her poor mama having to watch that and she was pregnant i know how do you even explain that to that two-year-old i don't know i don't know thank you for sharing that though that so powerful and if Anyone listening to this is in a situation in which you are being abused by a partner, a anything. Please reach out for help. There is help available. There are shelters that you can go to that will protect you. I also feel like if I was in that situation, that I would be like hesitant to go to the police because I would be like, well, I don't want them to get something on their record, you know? Yeah. But then again, on the other hand, it's like, well, they made that decision to do that. And it's not your responsibility to protect them because they didn't fucking protect you. Exactly. And so, like, I don't know. I always think about that because I feel like it's so easy to say, just go to the police. But it's so much more complex than that, especially if you've got kids and all the things. And, you you know, so I don't know. I just always think about that. Yeah. Whew, that was one to start off on. I mean... Well, it's going to keep getting heavy. This one's called Past Lives and a Demonic Entity. Oh, shit. Ladies, I'm writing you on the first day of fall, and I thought I would send you two different experiences. The first is about past lives, and the second one is about a darker entity. I'll call my intuitive Rose just to protect her privacy. Since I was young enough to remember, growing up in the church, I have been taught that past lives, reincarnation, etc. was evil and of the devil. That being said, I also remember praying to God when I was four or five to bring me back as a dog. I didn't have a firm grip on the concept. (laughs) I just love dogs. (laughs) I always joke like, if I, you know, get reincarnated, I want to be like my dog or Uh my my old cats and you know like all oh, the things because yeah. you know we spoil them oh i've always said that to come back as my parents dog yes i have tentatively looked into past lives but until today i haven't delved any deeper i was in a session with a medical intuitive and she was explaining that we all carry things with us 
things we've been taught, things people have told us, as well as things from a past life, as well as our ancestors. You know, I actually just read an article not too long ago that talked about that, like, past trauma is in your DNA. Really? Mm -hmm. I don't know how true it is. I don't know. It was kind of a skim over kind of article, you know. I'm not sure of all the proper terminology, but she instructed me to close my eyes and that pictures like a movie reel would begin to flash in my mind. I sat there for a few moments before she asked me what I felt. And the first thing I said was, it's not here. What? It felt like somewhere in Eastern Europe. If I had to hazard a guess, I would say Poland, but I'm truly not sure. I saw a young woman who was dressed in a pink blouse and a gray skirt. Not office attire, but what you would wear at the time. The next thing I remember saying is that it felt like before. And what I meant was before the war, World War II. Oh my God. As I was explaining the different images I was seeing, I suddenly started to get emotional and felt sorrow, heavy, crushing sorrow, completely out of nowhere, and I knew it was because someone had been taken away. And I felt guilty about it because I had been away when it happened, and so there's nothing I could have done to stop it. The next thing I remember feeling is that I was either the oldest or the only child. I felt responsible for a presence that felt like my mother, but I'm not sure if it was because she was ill, grief-stricken, or just unable to cope. But it was a heavy pressure and a lot of anxiety. Rose then asked me to close my eyes and look at the young woman in front of me and wait until she felt safe talking to me. It was almost immediate. It felt like I was looking at a kindred spirit, which in a way I guess I was because I was looking at myself. Next, Rose asked me to feel what questions she wanted to ask me. And as I answered, I immediately burst into tears. She wanted to know why. What did we do to deserve this? Oh my God. She wanted to know why it happened, why she was alone, and why she was worried about who was going to take care of her. She was worried about being safe. Rose then asked me, are you seeing a ghetto? And I paused before answering, yes. It was literally as if I was there in that moment almost 80 years ago. How did Rose know to ask that? Well, if she said it was Poland... Before World War Two, Yeah, maybe. Like, scared. You know, like, yeah. I mean. Well, and also, Rose is intuitive. True. I was afraid and anxious all of the time. I had no idea who I could trust, who would take care of me. Rose told me that I did have someone there who loved me, and that gave me such an immediate comfort. After a few more minutes of me explaining how I've always been drawn to stories about the Holocaust... How my reactions were always visceral, as if my heart was being torn in two, Rose asked what she wanted to tell me. I almost couldn't speak, as I said. She lived because others couldn't. She did the things that the people she loved never got a chance to do. She had a big family. Oh. Rose then had me tell my past self that in this life, I was safe. I didn't have to live in fear. I had my family with me and a husband. She had me thank her for everything that she learned in life. And in my mind, we were clinging to each other, sobbing. 
After going through that, I suddenly had a better understanding of why I constantly feel anxious. Rose explained that oftentimes emotions that we felt in our past lives carry on to the person we are in the present. The most amazing thing about that entire experience was when Rose worked with me to release the past. I literally felt the tension drop from my body. My shoulders fell, my jaw unclenched, and it truly felt as if something unfurled inside of me. My unconscious posture is always sitting or laying curled in on myself. It was as if I was waiting for something to happen and felt like I had to protect myself. Anyway, I understand that what was revealed about my past life is a very sensitive topic and I don't want anyone to think that I'm taking advantage of millions of people's horrific experiences and pain just to tell a spooky story. No, I... mm -mm. I don't think you would do that. I don't think so either. No. And reading that, like, so much emotion in that. And I want to do that. The medical intuitive. I know. But also, that is terrifying, though. Like, does it open you up to anything? I don't know. I don't know either. My second story is about a dark entity. After I took a few moments to collect myself after the discussion about my past life, Rose looked at me and said, Look, I don't want to scare you, but you have something dark attached to you. What the fuck? And you know what? I would be lying if I said I was surprised. She figured out how many I had attached to me, which was just one, and that she calls them the fallen. The way she said it made me believe that there are many different kinds of dark entities, but she didn't go into any more detail about it. She explained that my attachment was in my throat and on the back of my neck. She explained that she was going to help me get rid of it, and it took a while. I forgot to mention that everything that happened was done with my complete consent every time. I watched her as she worked to free me from the attachment, and suddenly, I felt my eyes snap up to the right of the room, and I heard it in my head say, I'm coming back for you. Oh, shit. It was in my own voice, which is good because had it been in the guttural tone of a demon, I would have, in the words of our favorite ghost brother, Dalen, literally passed away. I'm about to just listen to the story. Oh my gosh. I take back that I don't want a medical intuitive then. Because of course I want to know all this stuff, but then also I'm scared that if I really do have something attached to me, all of the things. Yep. Okay. Rose asked me if I felt anything, and I explained what happened, and I told her. She asked if the voice sounded sinister, and I said, no, not really. She agreed because he didn't really want to leave and was apparently being very cheeky about it. He was comfortable with me. Hmm. Rose went on to explain that she actually heard the fallen's name and that their names are tonal. She told me the name of my entity, and it sounded like the sound blarg or bleh. Like when you say, I'm just feeling blah. Yeah. When she asked if I said that a lot, I smiled and said that, yes, I do. And Rose told me, you gave it its name. (gasps) Rose was really good at not letting me get scared. And she explained that in her experience and what she's learned, these fallen entities, once you learn their name and command them to go into the light, that they have to go. In fact, she said they want to go. She assured me that Hollywood loves scaring people with their version of a demon, but 
that in reality, it often isn't how they portray it. I did ask her if she could see how or where I picked it up, and she said that it was easy to pick up things if you're open, and I'm definitely an empath, and it could have come from the situations with anxiety. They latch on and bleed your life from you. Rose finally told me that while she had rid me of my current attachment, there was a chance that another entity could attach itself to me again one day, and just to be careful and aware of how I'm feeling. Honestly, I wish that we all lived within a few hours' drive of each other so we could all get together and discuss our experiences and so y'all can go and see Rose. Right? Anyway, I just want to finish this massive email by saying that we all carry something, whether it's something that we hold on to, something from the past, or something from our ancestors. We are all carrying things that we might not even realize or understand, but please be gentle with yourselves. Love y'all. Wow. Whew, these openers. So heavy. So heavy, but so needed. I oh, think yeah. Those two stories right there have so much guidance. And I know there's people out there that this was the right moment to hear both of those messages. Yeah, I agree. Whew, thank you for sharing that because... That's so personal, and hell, I honestly needed to hear that one. Okay, this one, I'm a real-life ghost hunter. Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm so beyond obsessed with your podcast. Y'all make me crack up while I'm driving. Prob's not the safest thing, but, you know, I live. Any hoozles. Oh my god, I love it. I wanted to tell y'all my legit calling to the paranormal. This is a long story, so get a snack, buckle in, and I'm sorry in advance. Oh, wow. Okay, so when I was a very, very young kiddo, I became obsessed with the paranormal. I had some predispositions considering a whole reincarnation thing, another story for another time. When I was about 15, I started working in haunted houses as a stunts actress slash scare actor, I did it up until I turned 21. Yeah, you know, because alcohol and partying take up time at that age. When I was about 17, I met a girl that would change my life. I had always been doing many investigations on my own. I always swore that there was a little portal around me and just had some genuinely crazy stuff happen. We'll call this girl Matilda, since she was a badass Wicca chick, which is also one of my favorite movies. That's me saying that, not her. <laughs> Yes, it is. It is one of your faves. She invited me to join her all-girls paranormal investigation team. We had so much fun. We caught some great evidence, and our friends and family were all curious. Until one day, we got a request from a family to come and investigate their house. This is when shit hits the fan, y'all. The family was scared beyond their mind. Their 15-year-old claimed to have been touched by a dark figure in the middle of the night. Uh-uh. The mom was getting horribly sick with random ailments all the time while the new stepdad watched. And the 17-year-old son tried to do his own type of investigating and did a Ouija board session involving blood. Now, if that shit doesn't sound like a walking embodiment of a scene from Supernatural, IDK what is. Right? Holy Burk. So we planned an emergency investigation. Matilda and I were the only ones brave enough to go. We brought her then-boyfriend with us for some bodyguard-type protection. 
We arrived at the house at 2.15 a.m. so we could talk to the family some more and get a tiny bit of insight, but asked that they keep everything to themselves so we don't feed our own imaginations. We started the investigation at 2.45-ish. We did a lot of waiting, obviously, because, you know, this is real life, not some paranormal TV show. Eventually, our end director just went off. Mind you, this house was freezing. We were in Texas, and it was summertime. However, once that EMF director went off, the shit hit the fan. We were walking around in the dark, and all of a sudden, I felt a sharp pain and burning on my back. I said, hold up, hold up, someone check my back. And uh, yeah, scratches, not deep or long, just three tiny scratch marks on my back. Honestly, I'm starting to shake just typing this out. Then I just felt compelled to ask. I kept having these initials pop into my mind. I don't know why. I'm definitely not a psychic. However, when you're on an investigation, anything big or small you hear or feel, you just need to speak up and say it if it means anything. So I spoke up and asked. I'm not typing out the initials. This is random, but do the initials blank blank mean anything to you? And the mom freaked the fuck out. Apparently, they were her deceased abusive ex-husband's initials. After that, we decided to go into the son's room where the weird-ass blood Ouija board thing went down. The room felt stale and cold, and I didn't feel welcomed. We didn't catch anything, so we moved on. We went into the bedroom to talk. Everyone in the house followed. At this point, it was about four-ish in the morning. All of a sudden, we heard humming and banging coming from the son's room. We were done. Matilda and I agreed that something way more sinister than an angry ex-husband was hanging around. We stayed until about 6 a.m. smudging the shit out of that house. We strongly urged the family to bless the home and we left. We also smudged ourselves and prayed as we left. Now here's the kicker. I had about an hour drive home. My adrenaline was going. It was an awesome night. I was so happy to give the family peace and felt like we did a great job. As I was driving, all of a sudden, I felt something watching me in my rear view mirror and my steering wheel tilted hard to the left on its own. I was on DNT. If you're a Texas native, you know what that is. I pulled over and just start praying. I obviously brought someone or something home with me. For about a month, I had random bouts of sleep paralysis and felt someone watching me from the corner of the room. I had sage and amethyst everywhere in that room, so the corner was definitely where anything would have to stay. It never really went away until I started living with my now fiancé and our fur babies, minus the fact when we lived with our roommate at our old place. Also, another story for another time. I'm now 24, engaged, and hadn't done another investigation until this past May, which, wow, it was crazy and also kind of an accident. I can share the EVPs, but I'm not allowed to post on Facebook. Anyways, I'm sorry for the super long post. I hardly ever get to share this story. However, when I do, I'm always a little weary. Thank you, ladies, for all you do. And if you want more stories, I can definitely share. I have some crazy ones. Love you, ladies. Have a wonderful spooktober. Nicole. Girl, send them in. Send them. And the EVPs. Wowza. And Spooktober, um, we might be still on that for this year's October. I mean. Thank you, Nicole.
Hello, ladies. I just recently started listening to you guys. And as soon as I heard you guys cuss, I knew this was a podcast I would love. (laughs) (laughs) Cussing and paranormal just mix so fucking well. Well, fuck. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Thank you for keeping me company while I'm working all day. Anyways, I have a paranormal story, but it didn't happen to me. It happened to my husband's coworker. It was too good not to share. His coworker, we will call him Jim, was home alone with the baby, I believe four months old, and the baby was down for a nap. Jim decided he would go out and mow the lawn while the baby slept, as he had a baby monitor just in case he woke up. As he was mowing, he heard movement coming from the baby monitor. He thought the baby was moving around, so no big deal. A little while later, he hears the baby crying. He runs upstairs and finds the baby still sound asleep. He trips out, but finally goes back to mowing the lawn, thinking he just imagined it because he's tired, new baby problems. As he's mowing again, he hears shuffling again. And out of nowhere, he hears a deep voice come over the baby monitor and say, Check the baby. What? Kind of like a whisper. I don't know why he didn't act right away. And then he heard it again, but louder say, check the baby. Terrified, he runs upstairs and finds the baby face down. (gasps) He had turned himself over, but if Jim hadn't gone to check on the baby, he could have died from not being able to turn back over. I'm not sure if it was a guardian angel or what, but crazy. I have more stories, but when I have time, I'll send them in. Thank you, girls. Creep it real. XOXO Esme. Whoa. Holy crap. And, you know, some babies sleep like that. And, you know, it's, there's always been so many back and forth about, like, which, you know, tummy, sleeping on the tummy versus the back, you know, for, um like, SIDS and stuff. But, man, that's so scary. Yes. I think even if a baby sleeps like that, fine. It sounds like this baby wasn't, you know. Right. Golly. Okay. Here's a lighter one to end on. So this one is Ambien. They're short stories, but Donna said send them anyway. Hell yeah. Okay. She said, I can't flesh out these Ambien stories enough to submit them. So here they are. That was her Facebook post. And I was like, uh, send it. The first time my dad took Ambien, we were in London for Easter. I slept on a cot in the kitchen. I woke up and saw Cadbury egg wrappers everywhere, a pot filled with milk, one cereal flake, and a fork on the counter. Needless to say, I was blamed until months later when my mom woke up to my dad pouring salsa on her, saying she was a chip. Holy fuck. Oh. My. God. That's everything. (laughs) Years later, my boyfriend and I saw him driving to a gas station late at night. The dude goes in and buys lotto tickets. We took away his keys and he was begging for us not to tell his mom. My aunt once went full on grocery shopping on Ambien and didn't know it. She left all the food out and it went bad. Thought someone else did it until she found the receipt in the toilet. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. The first experiences I had taking it, I saw a little green pope like the size of a mouse, in a Piero floating around my room. So I ran downstairs and then thought my kitchen cabinets were melting. Oh, my God. 
The second and last experience, I was in Paris, and I called my now husband and said demons were swimming in my bed. Yes, swimming. He was still in the U.S. and made a vow that he'd never let me take it again. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, London and Paris, can I have your life? Right. Second of all, you you ain't got to be bothered with me taking this medicine, because do you know what the fuck that shit would do to me? Girl, well, one, your girl's on a budget over here. And I know I would Amazon shop. There's no fucking telling. Somebody would have to be with me because there's no fucking telling. Honestly, though, I know you, you would sleep. Ambien would work for you because you would just fucking sleep maybe for four days. (laughs) True. If True. Like, it's so crazy. But like a piece of me wants to try it to see what I would do. I know, me too. But also, no. Also, like, all I can think about is titties flapping in the wind Uh, from the first one. Yes. Like, so funny. Mine are not big enough to flap like that. But my belly. I'd be like, belly flapping in the wind. Girl, mine would be belly. Tits and, yeah, they say tits and ass. Mine would be tits and belly. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's a name of a fucking fetish porn right there. Well, I mean, you know, if the fetish fits. (laughs) Wow, y'all were amazing this week. These were some really heavy and funny and, like... Spooky. But, like, soul-searching stories, too. Like, these were really amazing. And Stephanie did great with the intro. If y'all want to intro a Sinister Sightings, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Check out the tiers. Some of them let you do an intro. And keep these stories coming. We are loving doing these every week. So keep the stories coming. Send them in to us, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Short stories, long stories, true crime, paranormal, funny, crazy, sad, love, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.